Hey, what's up? It's MJ. Want to snag a $100 Napa cab for $25? Wine Spies finds incredible wines at ridiculous prices. We're talking Zinfandel, Barolo, Champagne, you name it. Some of these wines are up to 75% off. It's not a club, so there's no obligation to buy. They even have a build a case option so you can mix and match wines and take advantage of free shipping on every purchase. Make sure you keep an eye out for their daily offer because once a wine sells out, there's no guarantee it'll be back. Go ahead and check them out. You'll even get a discount by going to winespies.com forward slash black wine guy. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey, what's up? It's MJ, and this is season two of the Black Wine Guy Experience. I wanted to take a moment and thank everyone for tuning in week after week and making season one such a huge success. There's nothing better than reading your reviews, getting texts, DMs, and hearing that these conversations are making you smile and even giving you hope when you're driving, you're doing laundry, you're on your Peloton, you're doing your yoga, whatever. Just keep them coming. Season two, we're going to go even bigger, 20 episodes, and we'll be delivering more discussions with the deep thinkers crushing it in the world of wine. Stay tuned. Episode one is coming out the gate with a true icon. I can't wait for you to hear it. Peace. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is wine wonderkind, John Capon. John Capon is the chairman of Acker Wines also known as Acker Maryland Condit, America's oldest wine merchant since 1820. Uh, through John's visionary leadership and ceaseless energy, he has spearheaded the company's transformation from a single New York City storefront to the largest fine and rare wine auction house in the world. Since joining the company in 1994, Capon has elevated Acker to the forefront of the auction world. Uh, this is just a combination of his acumen of seeing the growing thirst for fine and rare wine overseas. Also in tandem with the shift in the global economy, he pioneered the market for wine auctions in Hong Kong, which is now the world's leading fine wine center and the gateway to greater China. And they have actually Acker Asia. Um, today, Acker sits atop the global wine market and has done so for more than a decade, which is an unprecedented run. He is the third generation of his family to lead Acker. Uh, John has brought a uniquely passionate and personal approach to an industry that is often viewed as conservative, formal, exclusionary, stuffy. I could go on. Um, Under his direction, he's delivered a direct, approachable experience for wine auctions, and he has uh, gained the trust and confidence of a global and ever-growing loyal community of fine and rare wine collectors who like to be in his atmosphere of passion and pursuit of fun as they experience the best and most highly coveted wines on earth. A leading fine wine expert and master taster, he also released his first book, The Compendium, Tasting the World's Finest Wines, Volume 1. This definitive collection 
features hundreds of tasting notes beautifully illustrated with dozens of photos of the world's greatest states and vineyards and provides an insider's glimpse into the exclusive world of fine wine. John, welcome. John, JK, there'll be a lot of things. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I think that's pretty good. That's a nice introduction. I'm uh, very flattered. Do you ever have someone like introduce you and you'd be like, who, who the fuck are the guy they talking about? Is that me? <laughs> <laughs> because you are ceaseless. You know, you're working so hard. You don't have time to stop and think about what you're doing. You're just doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, nights and weekends. I'm on the nights and weekends plan, except it costs me extra. <laughs> it's supposed to be cheaper, right? <laughs> so um, John and I connected. Well, we, we connected. We're like a gangstar nice and smooth joint. <laughs> We got that new knack that's coming from way, way back. Um, right. <laughs> so uh, we'll do our best to keep the inside jokes to a minimum. But John actually connected uh, way back in the mid-90s. Um, and I've, you know, this podcast, you guys should sponsor it because I can't have this podcast. You come up in every podcast <laughs> because it's where I learned about, you know, it's where I got my foothold, my right. toehold in the wine road. together yeah. back in the mid to late 90s. Mid to right? late 90s, totally. And um, just think, if you didn't go chase that girl to California, you could have drank a lot more great stuff hey, over man, the next you know, few years. I, I hear you, but you know, it's always like, you know, what comes around goes around, you know, <laughs> you know, even, even uh, disavowed uh, spies can get righteous and come back on the reservation. So <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, so, John, man, tell us about the wines you brought here. Came hard. What are we drinking? Uh, yeah, we got some 1990s, a pair of white and a red, you know, a, uh, uh, two of my favorite producers. We got a Drouin Montrachet, Marquis de Guiche, the largest uh, landowner of Montrachet, one of the greatest producers in Burgundy, Chardonnay, of course, and uh, 1990. And we have another one from 1990. This, of course, uh, the greatest producer in the Rhone, uh, Jean-Louis Chave. You know, was, uh, I thought my history is good going back to 1820, but his goes to 1481. So it's got me beat by a little bit there. And, uh, you know, two great wines. You know, we haven't uh, drunk together in a while. We tried to connect a couple times here and there and, and didn't, thanks to pandemics and other things. But um, so I wanted to share some great holiday wines with you. You know, I know you drink a lot of... You're a big California proponent and advocate, and you're drinking those wines, and I drink them too. Um, but I figured let's get you, you know, in, in my world of fine and rare a little bit. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm not mad at you. I tell people all the time. I say, you know, when you were when you were beginning to take over the business from your dad, Michael, you're like, you're like, come work with me, and you'll drink the finest wines in the world on a nightly basis. And and that happened. I mean, literally. Working at the store, work during the day, then go upstairs and pour for the wine workshop, uh, which is still going, right? Well, up yeah. until yeah. not this year, not this yeah. year, but right. yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, um, and you know, we, you'd have all the you'd have you'd have California Colt uh, verticals, you'd have you'd have Burgundy verticals, you'd have you'd have a Shaw vertical, you'd have Latour back to you know, it was it was bananas, Petrus. Yeah. It was we like we did Latour back to twenty eight. I think it was like twenty five vintages for like four hundred bucks. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, that's that was the, the Roaring Nineties. <laughs> the Roaring Nineties, exactly. <laughs> when that shit was oh, like affordable. But no, I mean, I totally um, appreciate the, uh, these wines, um, and um, you know, it's it's just it's just access, like you say, like like the global market has shifted. Um, uh, it, it, these are just there's, and I saw an interview where you said, you know, the, the nice part about the business you're in, like, they get less every year because. Bottles do change hands, but a lot of people drink them. They want to share them with people. You oh, know? yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're a big advocate. Uh, you know, my other uh, title at Acker is Chief Drinking Officer. So uh, some people try to save money. I just try to drink uh, money. The CDO, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, and it's been a, it's been a funny year. Um, 
well, I don't know, funny is the right word, but it's been an interesting year because, like, you see people are pop, pulling bottles and popping bottles. So I'm like, you know, which you might as well, right? So uh, it's totally exciting. So, oh my God. So, you know, your bio says you started in the business in 1994, but as I said in the intro, you're a wine wonder kind, which is mm. like a child prodigy. Like, mm. like you maybe that's when you you officially, but like, what was it like growing up uh, around fine and rare wine? Because like your dad was a pioneer. Like I, the the book came out. I mean, right. people, it's been 200 years, so you, you guys commissioned a book and the history book, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was I didn't know most of that stuff actually. It was even stuff about my dad and grandfather. I mean, so we hired a historian, and they really did the whole process, and it was. For those of you who like history, uh, excuse me, for those of you who like history or into history, um, it's a fascinating look through not only the, the Acker and its history, but just through America and, and New York City. I think there's only one or two companies older than Acker in New York. Bank of New York's one of them. You know, I'd rather own that, but I don't, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know I'll take what I can get. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it, it's, it's been a fascinating road for for. The company, go, basically, which is the same as the history of the United States, when you think about it. Yeah, that, I mean that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Um, so, like, when was uh, like when was uh, when did you start, first start going into the store when your dad was running it? Well, I would go after school. You know, I went to school on the Upper West Side, and I would just go after school and kind of study in the office. And I was never really into it when I was a um, kid. I just I was kind of just. You know, doing kids that into sports. I was playing sports, you know, soccer, wrestling, all that stuff. And it was kind of like being fit and healthy and getting good <laughs> grades. And I was such a good student and child, you know, before wine corrupted me. <laughs> and, uh, no, so, you know, it, was, it wasn't really a thing. Like, I didn't, you know, and then I went away to college and I discovered, like, you know, kegs and things and others. I, I, I wanted to wrestle. I went to Wesleyan. I could have gone to Columbia. I went to Wesleyan. Because I wanted to wrestle. And, you know, you go to, like, being, like, the king of your, like, prep school hill, like, fighting for your life, Division Three. It wasn't, like, uh, so fun. Right. That's, <laughs> like, that's, that's, like, a, a rude awakening. You're like, yeah, I, I could do D3. You're like, no, nah, D3 wrestling's pretty hard, too, <laughs> yeah. there, bro. <laughs> yeah. So I traded that in after one semester for a fraternity. I actually went to the same fraternity as Bill Belichick uh, over at Wesleyan University, although I never met him. But I did room with uh, Eric Mangini, who was the coach of the Jets, and now is a sports commentator. Great guy. We were freshman roommates. And he kind of got me to pledge uh, that frat. And, uh, you know, he went on to work for, for Bill and everything. And um, and so, you know, I traded it in for, like, the, you know, the, the keg and other substances for a couple of years. And then <laughs> kind of got around to wine after after – after that, you know, so you did um, the college thing, you right? Did the college, did thing. the college thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, that's kind of like how we connected was Wesley. We weren't there at the same time, but like that's kind of right. that, that is, was the interplay. That was the that was like the Venn diagram that brought John and I together. Um, and as I told you, I'm a state school kid. I just like knew where to go to party. Um, they did have good kegs and stuff over there at Wesley. Right. So. <laughs> nice campus, great campus. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. So then. But I, I, I believe, um, I know this, You, uh, but you finished up at NYU. Yeah, well, I never quite finished. I kind of got bored and didn't graduate. Dude, seems like you're doing all right. I'm a dropout. You're doing okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing okay. Um, um, but uh, so like, what, what like was um, like in an earlier conversation we had, um, 
Sorry, guys. We had an earlier conversation. Um, you mentioned uh, like how you really like the sanctity of dinner. Was that a dinner a big thing at your house when you were growing up? Or, oh, yeah. Or like my Sunday would, dinner or something? My mom was the best cook. I mean, she would feed us to take care of it and whoop it up, cook it up, the holidays. I mean, you know, just everything, the popovers on Sunday morning, you know, just steaming out the oven with the butter and jam and you know, all the turkey Thanksgiving. I mean, she is like the the queen of Thanksgiving and, you know, the hams on Christmas. And she was just a great cook. And, you know, my dad was into wine. And she was the food and he was the wine. And they, it went well together. So we always had nice kind of family dinners and family meals. And, you know, that's kind of uh, I think that's where that kind of love came from. What was um what 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 was uh did your dad have a favorite that you drink like every Sunday or something? Like what was his favorite uh you know, he never really – I mean, he was always – he was into the French stuff a lot, but also into California and some of the – he was into discovering new things and trying new things. And he was, like, always kind of, you know, trying to find what's next. So he was very – I mean, experimental. I mean, when he took over, it was really like, a, you know, it was a liquor business more than the wine business. So he took it back to its wine roots. I mean, there's ads for Acker selling, you know, 1865 Lafitte and 1878 Krug and – all these crazy things. And then after, you know, the, the Great Depression hit, it kind of went to, to in a hardcore booze direction. And it was more important how many flavors of schnapps did you have. I was than like, like, I started selling that scissor. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, it was like that. It was like, you know, what, you don't have the apricot schnapps? What, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you know, you lose customers like that. In New York. Right. What? <laughs> I want my peppermint schnapps. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And then he turned, He told me that in the 70s, he had to use to, he used to give away DRC and Christmas gift orders just to get rid of it, you know, because, like, the demand wasn't there for, for, for these amazing wines as crazy as that may think yeah that is crazy wow he was giving away drc that's crazy um so like um you know so you go there after school i get it you're hanging out you know your boss's son your kids so you, you know but you probably hang around or you must be picking stuff up though i mean like no, I'm just, you're just like. No, just working, doing my, you know, like it, was just, you, it was just what dad did. And I was just, you know, I mean, wine was around, but I never was curious growing up. I wasn't like, let me taste that. My my other children were more curious and wanted to taste and, and try things, uh, it, it seems. But it wasn't like he wasn't really, you know, my dad never like forced me or pushed me to do anything. He was kind of like, do whatever you want. You know, I'm here, we're here. And he kind of let me discover the business naturally. If he was like, insisted that I do it, I probably wouldn't even be here. Today, so I was very fortunate that he didn't put like any pressure on me, and kind of let me discover myself. And I, I kind of, through discovering myself, I discovered wine. Got it. Okay. Oh, I like that. I was like, who is John? K so who is John Capon? If you discovered yourself through wine, right? <laughs> well, I did, John Capon is somebody that likes to drink wine. Drink some more, right? So, ninety-four. Some more, please. Ninety-four. You start working in the store, right? <clears throat> Um, what was your first job in the store? Well, I was just working the, the counter, you know, working behind a counter. I think I was like, uh, became the night manager or something <laughs> sooner or later. And, uh, I would just go to the industry tastings and start to taste things. You know, all, all these, uh, wholesalers are these tasties. You get to taste a hundred wines, 200 wines. I mean, it's tough to taste more than a hundred wines, no matter what, even if you're spitting everything, it's no, I know hard. to get pal fatigue. Yeah. Um, then you come across some good shit around number 30, like, right. I'm not spitting this. You got to sneak a few swallows. Exactly, right. So then it, it does. People – and it's so funny. People think, oh, you taste wine for a living. Like, it, it's fucking rigor. Yeah. People don't get – like, I mean, yes, you enjoy great meals. You enjoy – but, like, 
you work at it. Right. You know, it's not play. Um, so I think that's right around when we met was like the mid nineties. I think it was in grad school. We met through mutual friends through Wesleyan. Um, and I remember you used to have long hair mm-hmm. um, and, and you were working at the store. But what else were you into back then in, in, in the 90s, early early? Well, that was the, I was doing making music, you know, group called Smoked Out Productions. OK. You know, so it was a, it was a great experiment. We had a few. You can go on YouTube, find some find some jams <laughs> over there for you 90s hip hop fans. Smoked Out Productions. That was me getting smoked out before I was getting wind out. <laughs> Well, I mean that was that was the '90s hip hop, right? It was like it was that was New York City hip hop. No, when I was at Wesleyan, that's when you know NWA came out, and all this stuff was coming out for the first time. I mean, it was exciting. I mean, this music to me, I was it was so exciting, and, and like I just loved it. And I, you know, having loved jazz and blues and, and and all sorts of music, it was just something new and so different. So you know. I'm not sure about some of today's stuff, though, but maybe just because I'm like... A, I don't know, know, man. I, I, I ask myself, something? I'm like, am I old or is trap shit? I don't get it, man. Right. I, I, I do... I, I I know I'm getting older, but I just do think the music kind of sucks. Right. So my, <laughs> I mean, my kid, I got, a, I got a son. My oldest son is 21, and he's like listening to all this stuff, and he sometimes he's, he's listening, I'm listening to my stuff, and he's like... Looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, what is that? I'm like, damn, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I got I I have a nephew who's like 19, and he sends me all this stuff, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm just like okay. But uh, so golden era music. So then, like, you're doing the music, you're working at the store, and then like, what was, what had you just say? You know what? Like, what made you like say, all right, you know, I'm gonna take wine seriously now. Well, I just got burnt out in music. We we were um, we got offered a record deal and worked really hard at it. We we made a, a you know a good fair amount of solid songs. I think a good like fifteen or twenty really good jams. And uh, got offered a deal from Columbia, but I, I couldn't. I guess I was I was not to sound obnoxious, but I was like too educated to take the deal. Well, yeah, I mean, you come from a family that knows business, so right. uh, you know you could read a contract. And I went to school. I transferred to NYU. I went to music business, mm-hmm. you know, with a program there. And it was just like it was just a prostitution deal, like you know, like oh, we may put you know we're going to sign you, but we may put it out, we may not. If we don't, you can't do anything for X number of years, and you got to record in our studio at a thousand dollars an hour, and like you know, but you know all this stuff, you know, it's just like what. And, you know, and back then I was just so young, I didn't really have time to, you know, I couldn't, there's only so much I could do on our own. We, you know, we pressed a record or two here and there. We got a lot of love locally, but um, I, I just couldn't sustain it. And the entourage kept growing and growing and it just became too much. That's the funny thing about entourage. Right. They yeah. can grow and grow and grow, yeah. you know? So, um, so, yeah, but that's, I mean, I think a lot of people... I'm sure most people don't know that about you, so that's really right. cool. Well, then I started to work in wine. I, I, I just got burnt out, and I said, enough. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping away. I had enough of this. And then I just I just started working at the store full time and just something to do. And, and I just started falling in love with wine. That's it. Yeah. What um, – was there um, – I mean, is there – can you remember, like, a moment, like, where, like – I don't know. You There was a tasting or something. You said, you know what? Like, I mean, because obviously – you're you're well read. You're well educated. You're well educated. You're a smart. You're an intelligent person. So you you know, um, like, was there just what when the light bulb would just go off? Like, 
Yeah, no. 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 I'm no light bulb. It was no just like a, like, like, a, like, <laughs> like a little flicker. It was like this little flame, you know, going, you know, just enough to keep the room warm. There you go. <laughs> so let's let's talk about um you know, let's talk about auctions because I think that's what you've become known for. Um like you know, it was a retail storefront. Your dad had built that up and Along with another guy named Steve Green, and That's they they, right. they really um, you know, I'd love to get him on here. People, I mean, people, he's just he's another funny dude. He just crack you up, but like a legend of of wine retail in New York. Like, mm-hmm. uh, in the book, it's, I think Steve Green basically created the corporate account. He you know he kind of like went downtown, hit the bricks. So you guys had this business. Your dad they had built up this business um with a lot of corporate uh, stuff, mm-hmm. and then um. I've seen uh, ads where they were doing, you know, they also brought in a lot of early California stuff, Mondavi, and they were doing futures. So, like, um, what was going on where you said, you know what, um, you know, you said, you, you said, you said, Michael, uh, we should do auctions. What was that about? Because I know, I think it says they had did tried one before. Or? Yeah, right before it kind of started, he did one or two uh, with Doyle and Tepper right when it First came out, and he was trying to get hooked up with Christie's or Sotheby's, but then they didn't want to. They were like, blah, 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 right. blah. They were like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever they were. Right. And it was just like, so he did it, and then he's like, this is too much fucking work. What a headache. I don't want to do this. Like, So he just, he, after a couple times, he said, no, he didn't want to do it. But then eventually I came along after working in the store two or three years. I'm kind of like, we should. why aren't we doing more tastings? We should be doing more. Why are we doing auctions? Why are we doing more, more, more? Let's do, 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 do. You know, it was just kind of my mentality. I think I owe it all to wrestling in high school. You know, just that kind of that intensity. You know, that I kind of learned there, kind of translated in my personality, and eventually flipped. You know, over to like work mode. And so it was just kind of like, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? I remember the first big wine dinner I planned called Legends of the Fall, and it was the Pichelin. And it was like a hundred point, like twelve or fifteen hundred point wines, and I was like, you know, eighty five Sastakaya and eighty six Muta, all these crazy wines, right? All these wines I always want to try. And then I put on the schedule, it was like eight hundred bucks. My dad's like, "Are you crazy? <laughs> it's like nobody's gonna pay eight hundred dollars for wine dinner. What are you thinking?" And I'm like, "Let's just try it." And it sold out, and then you know we started doing more and more, and then you know, sure enough, like a decade later, I was doing weekends for twenty five grand a head, you know, so. It kind of uh, grew from there, but it, that also grew along with being in the auctions and the fun and, and rare game. And so I did um, an auction with uh, Phillips in 1997. Mm-hmm. We partnered up. At, they were the third largest auction house. I think they were number three in, in the world. And, uh, you know, uh, so said, let's let's try to do something with them. And then, you know. And we whipped up an auction in like two or three months, and it was like a half a mil or something. It was like the largest wine auction they ever did. And, you know, rather than telling me, great job, congratulations, you know, the the, the managing directors or heads were sitting there like lecturing me and like telling me what to do. And I'm like, you guys weren't doing shit. Like, what do you, you know, like, why don't you like, you know, they were just like talking down to me. And I'm just like, okay, you know what, I'm going to do this myself, right? And so we just did ourselves and we did the first one in 98. And, uh, you know, the first year was um, a little bit of a disaster, you know, learned a lot of lessons the hard way and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, but after we got through the turbulence of year one, you know, it started to, um, you know, get in, in, in a slow kind of growth um, 
patterns. So we did like four and a half, and then we did six, then we did nine, then we did 12 million you know, every year and started to grow slowly but surely over those first few years. Mm -hmm. What was that? Um, like, what's that? Like you mentioned, like Phillips, like they're talking down to you. Like, what was kind of like the the general auction scene? Would you say before in the in the, in the you know nineties, early OOS until you really started getting a click? And what would you say was the general scene like? Well, it was generally, you know, it was basically in a room with rows of chairs and water and crackers. <laughs> and some even we had British guys doing the auctions uh, in the beginning, you know, because. Uh, that was how it's done, and you had to be distinguished and, you know, and proper and, you know. Lot 200, <laughs> Chateau Margot. Anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember uh, attending a couple of those early auctions. and um, Yeah, we well, even had to throw you in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that was, uh, that came with, yeah, so, I mean, let's, let's talk about, I mean, let's. I mean, let's just let's dive into that a little bit. Let's dive into like also I think um with this whole year, you know, um uh with with Black Lives Matter and people, you know, talking about diversity and wine, I, I Acker's always been a pretty uh liberal and at the forefront of inclusion. I would say like I'm um I wasn't I didn't work there, but there was a guy, yeah, the South African guy who went back and what was his name? Right, Jabalani. Yeah, yep. Jabalani. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. No, my father was always very liberal and kind of, you know, uh, into. I don't want to call him a. Uh, I don't want to call him a leftist, but you know, he was like, you know, he was just very liberal and very, you know, in the seventies growing up and just kind of a righteous guy who just, you know, was was believing in equal opportunities for everybody. And you know, for me, you know, I didn't even think of Black Lives Matter because it's like didn't matter to me. It was like you black, you white, doesn't matter. Right. You know? I mean, like, that's we hung. That was the thing. They just white kid. It was a hip hop producer. <laughs> okay. Right. right. Um, but I also I remember when I worked there, um, like to to, and I just don't want to say your dad. Like you said, he was a bad. Like he took on, he took on Gallo, didn't he? Like uh, back in the seventies, like like. Yeah, something like something that. Like when, that. They, when they used to sell the wine with the baseball bats, the wholesalers would come in and be like, "You better carry my wine." And uh, you know, he, yeah, I think there was something that he, uh, yeah, he he might have had some disagreements with. Yeah, he was a little bit of a contrarian. There you I, go. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was involved in in like uh, you know politics and some some very uh, there was a guy Michael Harrington who was a great. Uh, uh, mind, you know, uh, back in the days he was really good friends with, and um, he, he wrote a lot of books and things. And, um, you know, so it was, it was an interesting, you know, circuit, and it was it was a liberal kind of situation. So it was never like, it was really never a, a, a thing. Gotcha, know? gotcha, gotcha. Um, so you're rolling along, you're, 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 uh, you're, you know, you cut your hair, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> you cut yeah. your hair, yeah, went did. to work. Um, you're growing this auction thing. Um, and then, um, like kind of what was, uh, like, what would you say was like the breakthrough auction? Like, and I'm, I'm like, like after Phillips, like, I think you said you did a half a mil and then you get, when it went to like 1.5 or two, like, what was like, what was like one where you were like, you, you finally had your, uh, your systems or your method, you kind of had knew where, where you were going. Right. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it, it took a long time to get there and it took kind of, I think when we finally hit like uh, number one in in the market was like in 05 or 06 or something. And, and, and it just kind of, and then we slow, when we went to Asia after that, and it was just like everything happened like wham, bam, bam. You know, we had a, 
Uh, we started to get a couple of bigger sellers and bigger collections in, in, in six and seven and showed the world like, hey, we can handle anything and everything. And we were the first ones in Asia in, in 08, I think it was. And so it was that kind of snowball right then and there that just and we kind of never looked back. I mean, I think, you know, Hong Kong and China was really the, the biggest move and you know i first went to asia in like 2007 because we started to get more and more clients from asia right so we started to get like hey you know so for me i was always like when i started doing auctions i would like go fly to fresno for 80 grand of wine and pack it up you know it's a different <laughs> kind of mentality i'm like i'm going right like anywhere everywhere let me do it and i would and i would do that and so i noticed we're getting more and more buyers from asia i'm like I should go to Asia, right? <laughs> so I went in August of 2007. I went to like seven cities in 21 days. Must have drank like 4,000 liters of like wine, I think, in, in the process. And it was just, it was a very blurry time for me. But it was also like, I was wow, just like the massive scale of cities, the 20 million people, like Shanghai, Beijing, Seoul, Tokyo. You're just like, you're just blown away. It's not like Manhattan, you know, it's very concentrated. It's just so spread out and they're so massive. And and you just feel the energy. To me, it kind of felt like, oh, this must have been like what, you know, like it was it, it was in, in, in the U.S. like in the 50s or something, like this kind of growth in like kind of energy and building and developing and all this stuff, right? And and it just like, you know, and, and I came back from there and I, you know, I decided like Hong Kong is, is the place to do it. And we were going to do it. And back then they had 80% taxes. Then they lowered it to 40, and then all of a sudden they lowered it to zero, like right when we were planning on doing it. They had the in-bond system, which is like tax-free, okay. like they have in London. But, you know, Hong Kong's English-friendly. It's centrally located. It's, you know, close to China, and it just kind of seemed to make sense to do it there. So we were already planning on doing it there, and then they flipped it to 0% tax, like right before we were planning our first auction. So it all just, boom, came together, and... um you know, we really – we made a lot of noise there in that first auction. It was funny because, you know, normally you walk into an auction, you're like 70 80% sold already with like absentee bids or, or mm -hmm, pre-bids, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So we the night before that sale, that first auction in Hong Kong, we were like 20% sold. And I'm like, what, what the fuck? What did I do? <laughs> what a disaster. What? Uh. But then like 300 people showed up, massive like media. Like it was just like crazy. It was like, you know – it was like a spectacle. It was like, you know, and, and, and the auction, we actually had to move it upstairs to a different room because it was like running over by hours and we had to move it like for like the second half because there was some wedding or something. We didn't <laughs> expect it to go that long. And, and, and then it was just off and running. Mm, okay. Okay. So, damn, that's like I'm trying to <clears throat> picture that. Like, why do, why do you think um, – what do you think was that difference – where, um, like, did they did they just like come in, in a room and bid against each other, or what? what like, yeah, it was. And they wanted to be in the room. They wanted the action. They liked this kind of in room action. Right, right. And uh, you know, being live and being there and kind of showing off and and all that stuff. They just enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, more so than in in the Western world, where it was more developed and they'd kind of been 
used to this process of something new and exciting and, and everybody wanted to be there. Well, and, and motherfuckers don't want you to know who they are buying the wine here in the States. It's, it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like secretive, that. Right? It's, like, I know. It's, uh, like the, you know, you go to the, the Southern's auction and they're on the phone with the buyer and, you know, mm. you <laughs> Versus, versus, like it seems like what what conjures my mind is the movie Crazy Rich Crazy Rich Asians, which mm-hmm, is like like, mm-hmm. like they're like flex on each other, right? Oh yeah, they they have no because it's funny. Like in in China, if you make a lot of money, they're like it's like respect. It's like oh wow, you know people respect right, you. Right. It's like in the U.S., you make a lot of money. It's like, who oh, you cheat, you, you fucking you, scumbag, yeah. you're successful. Yeah, exactly. Well, you have some nerve. Right. It's I like, don't it's know. Like, you, why you're is that? You're a crook. You cheated people. Yeah. And, you know, and, and not that there aren't people who have done that, but like just the overall attitude that that's the presumption right. here is, is, is kind of crazy. Or just that it's like wrong that you were successful or like, you know, you shouldn't like, I don't know. It's weird. It is weird, man. I'll tell you what's not weird. Um, this fucking wine, mm, man. How good is that, right? Like. Y'all don't know. Mm. I, uh, I mean, what are you getting? You are a master taster. What are you, what are you getting? I'm getting, I get a lot, a lot of hazelnuts, some honey mm-hmm. notes. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Dried apricots, maybe. I like the hazelnuts. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's the minerality marche and that kind of structure and that, like, that, that, that's, that slate and that kind of yeah. hands in the earth, yeah. right? Yeah. You know? But there's that, you know, that butter, corn core, right? A little yeah, bit of caramel. Yeah, like, like that buttered. Popcorn y thing going on, I got yeah. But in, in, in like a, in a like in like that kind of three star Michelin way, not like that. No, no, get that, the buttered not, corn not, at the not the, the Seven Eleven that comes in the, the industrial tub, <laughs> right? Uh, and you squirt it on popcorn. I mean, like you know, like someone just took the butter to just just before it's going to be brown, mm. right, and poured it on the popcorn, right, you know, like, right, like right, you get uh, that melted kiss, right, right. of like mm. and a caramel, but um. The caramel, the brown sugar, those little sweet kisses. But see, it's not too sweet. It's got that. It, it keeps it. It's encased yeah. in the minerality and the terroir of like what makes more shape. There's it, it's like heavy in your mouth, but light on your palate at the same time. It totally that makes like, sense. Like, no, I mean, it just like I'm looking at the legs. You look at the color. It's a nice uh, mouthful, but then no cloying. Nothing just mm. comes right off. Um, it lingers, so the flavors are mature, but, but the the finish mm. is still youthful. Yeah, I mean, I got a yeah. This is like one year older than my uh, oldest child. Okay, <laughs> so there you go. So, wow, yeah. one year old. That's when I was uh, graduating. So eighty nine. You had your yes. first. Yes, uh, yes. No, ninety one. Ninety one. No, eighty nine. No, right. Yeah. I can't do math right now. That's what happens after one bottle. Don't uh, no. ask me any uh, I, questions. This, you know, it's just day drinking, and <laughs> yeah, I try <laughs> to should, avoid it. But it's the holidays. Seen, know, it's okay. You know, and you know, we we were taking a break, but when we heard, you know. The $1.3 billion man was in town. Oh, yeah. We'll yeah. get to that. But yeah. I'm still looking for where it all went, you know. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, we got to take a quick break. Okay. Um, and then we'll be right back, all right? If you follow me on social media, you know I love discovering and drinking new and exciting labels and winemakers. The Wine Spies offer wines like Single Vineyard Tempranillo from Amador County, Single Vineyard Mount Veter Zen from Peter Franis. If you don't know who he is, now you know. Wine Spies has been gathering intel since 2007, so these guys are really connected in the biz, and that's how they can offer so many great deals. I love their locker feature. It lets you build a case over time so you can check out with just one bottle and avoid shipping charges. 
They have a top-notch tasting panel, so I can rely on the wines to be great every time, which lets me play around and discover more. The spies always take care of me, so if I'm not 100% happy with the wine, they'll make it right. And just for the listeners of my show, there's a special Black Wine Guy Experience URL discount code for $10 off your first order when you sign up at winespies.com forward slash black wine guy. All right, we are back. And, uh, you know, we were just uh, talking about how delicious wine is. And we were talking about um, that first like rocking auction. So do you have like, do you have like somewhat of a, did you get like a little bit of celebrity status over in Asia after that guy first auction or anything? Well, I mean, I had we had good PR and we did a lot of media stuff, and so it was kind of yeah. We'd every auction there we would go and we'd have like you know twelve or fifteen journalists in a room and do a press conference and whatever. It wasn't like I wouldn't walk down the street and people would like jump on me or anything like that, you know. So it wasn't. I don't know if it was like celebrity status, but you know, we we worked the media well. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I think when I think when I say celebrity status, I mean, like if, if you're when you walk into the doctor, be like, that's John Capron. Like, I, I always think because um, when I lived in California, <clears throat> um, I was uh, friends with uh, this author, Jack Canfield. He wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul books. And like we were traveling together one time mm-hmm. and like um, like you want to be where you could walk to an airport. Like it's nice. It's nice to um, to make a wonderful living. And be able to walk through an airport versus like you could be like an actor who ain't really doing that well, have one role and then you can't walk through the freaking airport because you're in that movie. You know what I mean? Like that would be a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have that problem. Yeah. Thankfully. (laughs) Would you want that problem? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think you would. No, no. I just, uh, I'm bothered enough by uh, my workload and uh, (laughs) things I have to do in general. And, you know, I have four kids. That's enough paparazzi. Oh man, four kids. All right. Well, um, so this that was a little quick diversion. That was cool. <laughs> so um that auction happens. Um what was the numbers? You remember the numbers from that auction? I think it was like eight or nine million. Yeah, I think it was our largest uh one of our largest today, yeah. Okay, okay. And then um kind of and and you know, what year was that? What was that? Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Okay. Yeah. And then the you know shortly thereafter the financial crisis came like a year or so later and uh, you know we navigated through that. That's uh, you know was um, you know a little bit of a scary time and but then you know it just it's funny the wine market it's just like whenever it goes down a little bit it just keeps you know it, it'll keep going right back up and like financial crisis hit six months later you know that was the only time we lowered estimates. We went to some consigners. We said, hey, I think maybe we should lower estimates 20 30%. Most people were cool about it. We did it. We navigated through two or three sales. And all of a sudden, some people had to sell because of the crisis. So supply kept coming. But like three, four months later, the thing was taken off again. And that's where China really took off. And I mean, they were paying like the Bordeaux market became insane, exploded. And things like, you know, I mean, I remember selling like 82 Lafitte for 80 grand a case, you know, as opposed to like, you know, the, the 25 or 30 it is now but i mean that's like 3x a lot of these wines were going and that's before burgundy even came in the picture really over there and things were it just went insane and, and bordeaux became like this kind of commodity of gifting and like you know and then that got cracked down on a little bit and uh so then the bordeaux market came down back to normal but that's when burgundy uh took off and kind of became 
the bell of the ball, which it's uh, pretty much been ever since. I mean, now Burgundy is like, I think it's 56% of our dollars. It's 28% of our bottles or something like that, but it's over half, you know, our, our revenue. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I know during that time period, um, you guys had a rough patch. <clears throat> um, we're not going to talk about it. Um because I know you have a, a, a you know policy about it, which I respect. Um, but um, I can say that um, what did you guys do last year? We did 122 million at auction, did 143 million overall, and uh, still working on getting to a bill for a year. There you go. Um, so it seems like you you were able to weather that storm um, very nicely. Congratulations, because I think people. People don't understand that um, it's ups and downs, man. Like this, this like fucking it's life. Like every, like you said um, about how the market would uh, mirror what's going on in the world, like and how these, you know, it's it's life. So like, what would you say? And I you think you alluded to this. Um, you, um, I know you were a very competitive guy. You think that has a lot to do with. Uh, being able to uh, persevere through hard times. You know, I owe it all to the wrestling, uh, collegiate wrestling days. You know, I think it was, no, but I mean, you know, it's like you got to you gotta work hard. I mean, you know, no matter who you are, what you're doing, what you want to do, you got to work. Your, you want it, you work. You got to work your ass off. You can, you're going to fuck up. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to, you know, uh, not always make the right decision. And, and but you got to keep moving forward and keep like, digging you know and 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 take that shovel and never stop digging and i just never stopped digging and i'm still never stopped digging. i still work nights weekends all the freaking time I mean, you know would it be nice if i could like you know take like a couple of days off here i mean i you know i take a little bit off here and there i got kids i gotta spend some time with them right but i mean i'm still i'm working like non-stop still to this day and like i almost don't know what to do with myself i don't have like work to do you know it's kind of like uh I'm like walking around the house in my bathrobe, you know, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I think I think I saw like on your Instagram stories or something you posted. Uh, your birthday was, when was your birthday? You just had a birthday? Yeah, November 21st. Yeah. Um, and I guess you're, like one of your kids was like, I love daddy because he works so hard for us. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he works hard. Yeah, you know, I know they had they did a nice little celebration for me, and yeah, I got my sons born on the same day as me, my twenty one year old son. So you know, just like I planned it, you know. Oh, yeah, so wow, we, that thought uh, <laughs> having three guys with the same first name and a family was something. You, you, you uh, we got the same birthday, Nicholas and I, and uh, yeah, I got kids twenty one, nineteen, uh, ten, and ever, six. You ever play the pick four, man? What those numbers? Are? I know twenty one, nineteen, <laughs> ten, and six. I should do it, Shit. right? And then I could do mine forty nine. I mean, like let's objectively think about this. That probably greater odds of winning the lottery than having your kids on the same day. Right, board. right. You really think I should about... get like a government bonus for that or something. <laughs> <laughs> what would that be? The uh, what? What would you call that bonus? I would call it the. That's a good question. I would, you know the, uh... the straight shooter <laughs> bonus or something. <laughs> like... Special semen. Yeah, uh... exactly. <laughs> when we go back with super sperm. Uh... <laughs> um, so. Um, Talk about talk about um, international auctions. So like you're you're there, but then also up until this year, you're you're doing auctions, also live auctions 
where else in the world were you doing? I know well, New just York. Hong Kong and New York. Okay. Uh, pretty much. We just opened up uh, uh, a new operation in Delaware, which we're excited about, which a lot of the live online auctions are going to move. It's a new hub for us, which is great. And uh, a so Delaware Corporation. Delaware, yeah. Would you know, go Biden. You know, we got to. Uh, <laughs> we're following our president. You know, down to his home state. We're gonna go. Uh, or, or or Dow Chemical, who right, set up a, right. a very corporation. Uh, yeah, I'm not mad. A lot of big like, companies yeah, down there, man. right? Yeah. So it's very friendly to business yes. and to investments, and uh, <laughs> so we'd like to uh, carry that over to our clients and. Um, you know, so it, it, it's great, but it's always New York and Hong Kong. Been, you know, we opened up in London. We were going to do some London auctions this year, but it, that pande- pandemic thing kind of messed that up. And uh, so it's just always been really New York and Hong Kong are pretty much the two superpowers of the wine world. You know, China, Greater China, China, Taiwan, mm-hmm. Macau, Hong Kong. A little bit of action in Japan. You get some action in Europe, of course. Brazil is a, a great emerging market, and that's where. You know, the buyers are coming from the sellers. You get more sellers from Europe than buyers. And, you know, now that Asia's had a full 10, 12 years, you know, to develop as a market. I mean, Japan's been developed longer than that. You're starting to get supply side come out of Asia because so much wine went out there. Mm-hmm. So much wine is in Hong Kong uh, now that uh, it, it's now a hub for selling as well. So, um, you know, it, it's now, of course, we're doing the internet auctions, weekly web auctions. We're doing about... Three, four hundred grand every week online. You get one bottle, two bottles. It's a great place for when you want to drink and try and sample stuff. You know, you could buy, you know, a dozen lots for a couple of grand. You know, in a live auction, you buy a dozen lots. It's like you know, fifty grand. It's a different, kind of, <laughs> different kind of thing. Yes, it's uh, that's funny. It's 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 like live auction versus the internet. You can do a little bit less on the internet. You know right. what I mean? No, but it's good. The internet's great for drinking. And it's great for like experimenting and. and you pick up a single bottle of shop. You don't have to uh, right get to twelve in the original. You don't have to get case. to twelve. Yeah, right? yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so let's let's talk about bottles, man, because obviously you've had a lot of great bottles. <clears throat> you yes. have this book with your taste of notes, um, the comp- compendium. Um, talk about some of like the most memorable wines you had. Mm. Well, the three, my top three, are all from the nineteen forty five vintage. Very fortunate, you know, to taste. I mean, like back in the early, you know, late 90s, first 10 years of like 2000s, I mean, you could just open up whatever you want. Like, you know, back then it used to be like, am I going to spend a thousand dollars? Oh, it's good. It's like, you know, and now it's like, am I going to spend 10? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's a different scale. I, like, I don't know what that's like for the record. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's for business purposes, right? Uh, for me. So it's a, it's a little different, but. You know, like, yeah, I remember, you know, back then we used to, you know, with Robert. I know you had Robert Boer here. He yep. was a good friend. And we used to go to his place all the time. We, he had a case of 71 Latash. We'd, like, rip through, like, half that case at, like, you know, twelve or 1300 a bottle. He told me – well, it wasn't on this, but he was on uh, Levy's podcast I listened to. In, and he was like – so, I guess, one of his investors, like, the 71 Latash was, like, the speed bump. Mm. Like 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 if if you open something that wasn't ready, he's like, "Oh, get a send one Latash." Like, oh like, yeah, yeah. So so I, you, I had half of them. Yeah, I was gonna say so you're, <laughs> you're, you're a part of that party, huh? Right. Oh yeah. So you know, we we're just ripping through, trying everything. It was just whatever it was. We we're just doing it, and these dinners were great to tap into, like these people that wanted to try these things. And so the dinners and the events, everybody would bring something, whether it was a wine workshop event or whether it was you know a, a, a private event, and this idea of sharing. 
and, and tasting together and, and like trying and like, hey, we could taste 15 wines for the price of one, everybody be in for a bottle, you right, know? Right. And, and it was just kind of, that's where all that stuff happened. And, you know, I just started taking notes. I was, you know, writing, enjoying and just having fun. Somebody's like, you should publish it. And I tried to make a little like newsletter like Parker and like, you know, do this thing. And I was charging like 75 bucks for the year. People like 75 bucks. What are you? Blah, 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 I buy so much wine from you. And so it's like, all right, I'll just send out emails. You know? <laughs> and actually Christian uh, Navarro, was a, who's a good friend, still is a good friend. You know, he told me, you know, just send out an email. Like, don't even like, you know, what, you know, why are you trying to like charge for this? You're like wasting your time for like 75 bucks. What? You need 75 bucks? I'm like, right. I really, that's probably good advice. Yeah. I mean, for you, I mean, like, like that was that's like a wine critic's business. So they got charged, but like, like it's like total loss leader for you. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, why not just shoot out an email? Like, right. But I mean, you know, but it was like 75 bucks. Cause I'm thinking about a newsletter. I'm trying to figure out how to price it, man. But, um, um, but I, I remember when I worked at Acker, that, that first year I worked at Acker was just crazy because I kind of, you started that culture. Like you said, like we had like, you did pre-auction tastings, and then you, you did that BYO. Oh yeah, the at Reebok, Reebok Club. Reebok that, yeah, Club, right. that's right. That was pretty. That was yeah, only lit. one person had to leave on a stretcher. I know that was pretty <laughs> lit. Remember that? Oh, yeah, man. oh my god, that woman had to. Think oh that. my god, but like you said, like it was. I forgot what it charged, but like, and everybody brought a bottle, and everybody brought a decent bottle, so people would, would get to taste all this great wine. So like, where did this kind of this idea, and we'll, as we'll, you know, we'll get to your top three, but like. What was like the whole like popping bottles? Where did that kind of idea culture like? Was that something you took from hip hop and kind of fused? Like what it was like? No, I was just wanted to learn, be to be experienced. Just you know, we just want to experience, just like the black wine guy experience. You want to taste, you want to try. Yeah. You love wine, you want to try things. You know, so it just uh, happened to be in a different like lane that was in this fine and rare yeah. you know yeah. world, and and but the the the, the premise was still the same. Yeah, I get it. That's totally cool. So, um, so this motherfucker said, my three favorite bottles are from the 45 into. Um, <laughs> well, it's true. I, mean, I yeah. had this 2017 from Paso Robles that day. It was tasty. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, man. <laughs> 45, yeah. Well, uh, 45 Mouton would be third place, you know, one of the wow. greatest. Wow, 45 Mouton is third place. Yeah, that's one of the greatest uh, left bank, probably the greatest left bank ever made. Yeah, no, just I mean, I've had more of that than either the other two, but I had I had a great forty five Petrus, you know, original release, just perfect bottle. Of course, Petrus the most expensive Bordeaux. There's a reason uh, for that, and then you know, forty five Romani Conti. I've been blessed to have it before. It was a half a million a bottle. Had it a couple occasions, which I'm uh, you know confident were real, and um, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, now the last time I traded was a half million a bottle, but like you know, back then it was uh, not, and it was, uh, you know, if, uh, uh, it was just just magical. And some of those old DRCs, like there's the the, you know, thirty four RC from the Doris Duke would be up there. Um, you know, the the Vieux from the Richebourg. I mean, older is better when it comes to great wine. You know, you got to have it well stored. It's got to be perfect bottle. You got to catch the lightning in a bottle. You know, of course, there's a lot of old bottles that are like not perfect or slightly affected or a little more advanced. And, you know, so, I mean, you know, you have to, you know, navigate through that. But in, in general, you know, when you get into like, you know, these older wines, I mean, they're just uh, the the privilege of tasting these wines is uh, there's nothing greater in the world to me, at least. Yeah. Um, 
Wow. Talk about, talk about, um, like you just said, like older is better. Why, why? And you, you list a number of factors, but what is it that you find? Like, like if you went to like an, uh, on premier Bordeaux tasting versus, um, just a tasting of some older Bordeaux, what do, what do you think? What is, what, how does it strike your palate? Like, like, why is that just such an experience for you? Well, I mean, older one. It's like, you know, if you're going to talk to like a five-year-old kid, are you going to talk to a 50-year-old uh, adult, right? The <laughs> conversation is going to be better. Oh, I, that's a good analogy, JK. Well, it's true. I mean, older wines speak a different language oh, yeah. and they like, they have that experience and that development that a young wine doesn't have. So that's a good point. Um, so, so let's talk about so then how let's talk about scores because like there's you know ever since the psalms became the uh masters Sorry. of the wine universe <laughs> never mind I just yes no the, come on come on ratings we're talking about ratings yeah we're talking about ratings okay right? it just got me confused for a second oh my god yeah that scores <laughs> um sure there were some wild nights before you got married yeah, never you know, bottles you know um um <clears throat> Ratings. We're talking about ratings. Like so. Like, how how have you seen, like, when you look at how Parker rated eighty two Bordeaux, which I haven't had those in years, but like even in two thousand eighteen years, in those wines were made. Like how 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 does the forecasting? How does that how does that how does that work for like the the person who's listening to this podcast who is never going to taste forty five any of these forty fives, but like but like you know might rely on scores. Um, how, how does that kind of work? Why, how do you see that working? Because I know, first of all, before you answer that too, um, you have a very, I know you, obviously in the business you do, it's very analytical, um, it's numbers. Um, so I know you use ratings and scores, but you have a philosophy about about 100 point scores. And, and yep. what is that? Okay, well, first of all, I don't believe in 100. There's no such thing as perfection. There is, I believe, in the pursuit of perfection, right? So I have a very simple way of rating wines. I only have four categories. Well, five, but let's call the fifth everything else, right? So the first category would be very good. You could taste a wine. You're like, wow, this is a very good wine, right? Or you could taste a wine and you could see, like, this is an excellent wine, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Or you could taste a wine. You could say this is an outstanding wine, right? Mm -hmm. Or you could taste a wine and say, wow, it's one of the best wines of my life. So those are my four categories. So I, once there, and then there's everything else, like, which is like, you know, it could still be good, whatever, you know, but it's just like, <laughs> let's put those four categories. So very good to me is like a 90, 92 points, right? Mm -hmm. And excellence, 93 or four. And outstanding is five or six. And best wines of your life is seven to nine. So it's very easy to put that in one of those buckets. For me, that's it. And like, okay, it's a very good, it's almost excellent, it's kind of close to excellent, but it's, it's still kind of very good, you know. Then it's like a 92 rather than like, you know, is it leaning towards excellence? Is it excellent leaning towards very good? Or is it excellent leaning towards outstanding? You know, because everything gets their lean on, you know. And everything they gets its lean on. It's leaning one way or the other and, you know, how much you've had, who you're with. I mean, there's a lot of social and, you know, factors into enjoyment and experience. You got the same bottle of wine six different times, and it could be you could have 95, 96, 94, 98. You know, I mean, there could be like different ratings, you know, but usually they kind of like shift up one or one point up, one point down, you know, here and there. But uh, that's basically my system. And that's, you know, I first categorize the wine in, into four categories, and then I think about the number. Okay. Okay. 
So, um, you gave me your, did you give me all top three? You think you gave me all top three? We are, we are, we're taping early and we're, we're like a bottle and a half in. Right. So memory might be going a little bit, <laughs> getting old. Um, so Do what? You need a nap? No, nah, I'm good, man. <laughs> I don't need a nap, man. Not yet. <laughs> a couple of hours from now. A couple of hours from now, yeah. Um, so uh, tell me about some more of these just like, you know, killer bottles you've had. Like, and, I, and you made a good point. Like it does also like the meal, who you're with. But like, like what are some other just like, 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 like we're having this 90 shop hermitage, man. And it's just, it's just oozing mm, savory, shop. savory, right? Great yeah. descriptor. Yeah. You know, it's got that bacon that, yep. um, you know, what the, they, they call the, the Provencal herbs and yeah, the, the, I the mean, hot I'm, stones. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I get some olive, but yeah, the Provencal, yeah, 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 you know, definitely, um. Bacon, did we say bacon, the smoked meats? Yeah, like smoked that. meat. I mean, as soon as the cork came out, it was just like, I was like, oh, it's good. It's bacon. Right. You know. Um, mm, yeah, it's fantastic. It's something I like to do a lot that I'm, I like to share. Is, um, Richard Eulen taught me, the uh, the world's number one champagne expert. He, um, you know, when you smell, you know, you roll the wine. You roll it. Yeah, you got it. It's like it's like smelling in stereo versus oh, yeah. mono. It's a huge thing. You got to train yourself to do it, but it changed my life. Like as far as like the aromatic enjoyment out of wine, I highly recommend. You know, it took me a while, but a lot of people go in. First, first of all, some people go in and they're like, "Oh, well, then you know they don't know why." If you don't right, get right. your nose right, in right. there, if, if, I mean, you taught me that. You're like, get your fucking nose in the glass. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it smells or, or good. something right, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you'd be like my wife. It's got a kick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, we're going to pull that $12 bottle for you. <laughs> but no, you smell it and it's like, it, 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 it's, it's stereo, it's stereo versus mono. So it's like a huge difference. And you get like the more of the floral. Yeah, lavender. I was going to say, I, I just got lavender. Just a bunch lavender, of florals, right? man. Yeah. just came up. Just um, by rolling it, right? Yep. Yeah, you can roll your wine up too, MJ. On the smoked out flow. <laughs> Yeah, um, that may be the title of this episode. Roll your wine. Um, so, um, what is the? Well, you gave me the top three, but like, what was the most surprising bottle you've had over the over the course of your career? Well, I mean, look, this like an yeah, off vintage I, or something, you know. Or, you know, I've I've really tasted so much great wine. Um, it's tough for me to like pinpoint anything. I mean, I can tell you what I drink at home on an everyday basis for something different. Like, you know, yeah, for sure. I'm drinking a lot of Austrian whites, a lot of GG Germans, loving those wines. I mean, you get some of the best wines, you know, 40, 50, 60 bucks a bottle, you know, best producers in the world, been doing it hundreds of years. Um, I'm loving that stuff. I, I, I drink a lot of Chablis. I like the, the value in Chablis. You know, after you get past Raveno and, and Dovisat, there's a lot of good Chablis for just everyday drinking. Red wines, I'm, I'm digging a lot of the Beaujolais, like the, the Grand Cru Beaujolais and, and things like that. I mean, they're just delicious, easy to drink. Crunchy? Reds. Natural? No, I'm not I, natural. <laughs> no. No. Definitely not. I had that Ganavite or whatever. I mean, I don't want to. No, I don't want to throw. I don't want to be negative. Let's not talk about natural wines. It just comes up. I don't not negative, but it's just it's just it's it's just comes up. I mean, everybody's been like, like I said, we're not gonna be negative. I like that about you, J.K. 
Right. No negativity. Right. I you drink did... a lot of California Pinot Noir. I love who, the who, juicy Cali Pinot. Who do you like on California? In Oregon. I mean, you know, I you know, I'd have to really think about. It. I mean, there's a lot of good wines in the Central Coast, and and in in I like the ones that are I like wines that are 14 percent or less alcohol. That's a big. So actually, sometimes when I'm just buying something spontaneous, or, or I'm in a shop, or I'm somewhere you know, local or whatever, and I just, uh, you know, don't want to pop open something special. I'll like, I'll, 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 I look at the alcohol level on wines and I'm always doing 14% or less. I, well, and it's funny. I, cause I, I, your fault, love Grenache. Mm -hmm. I think we did a tasting at a client's house when I first started working and, and we had Reyes and we had like the Sanquinon Grenache. Right. And um, so, yeah, talk about, let's talk a little bit about like, you know, 14 or less versus, you know. There's some producers that pull it off a little bit higher alcohol level. Like Shav can be a little bit higher sometimes. and But he, he he pulls it off. I just think a lot of young, you know, it's tough when they're young or they're new world and they get more concentrated, they get more sweet, more sugar. It's just too much, you know. But um, I think alcohol level, I could say one thing to every producer that's uh, following your podcast, bring it down, baby. <laughs> bring it down a notch. And, and we do have a lot of uh, winemakers follow the podcast. So, but I, but what about, I mean, what about natural alcohol, right? Like, so like, you know, I mean, if, if, if your shit is hitting 15, cause you're, you know, you're impossible robles and you're not, you know, and you're, and you're bouncing, I mean, you know, to, I, like what's, you know, is it just because you're older? Like, like I just, you know, just like I'd rather drink more than like, you know. Well, yeah, over loopy. 14 is great if you're in your 20s, no problem. But, you know, <laughs> I think when you get older, you know, it's, it becomes a, a, an issue, you know. And um, and, and I don't know. It's just uh, I think there's a there's a, a, a natural beauty uh, to the wine uh, that alcohol can kind of uh, – Obfuscate is that? A yeah, ob obfuscate or something. Yeah, it okay, can. I need to yeah. look it up. I hope it's yeah, right. It, I try to use big. I get that Webster's word of the day. And I try to remember them all, but then I misuse them half the time. <laughs> nah, it's fine, man. Um, what do you? I mean, but I, I mean, wow, this is going a different direction. But I think also with um, climate change, I think just regions are getting hotter, right? Like so, like yeah. is one of the reasons German wines are. They've always been mashful, but like they're actually drier now that mm -hmm. it's getting hotter. But what? I think that's a style of wine. I mean, I don't know exactly. You know, honestly, there's two things I know very well: what a wine tastes like and how much it costs. <laughs> you know, don't get me into like the how they make it and all that stuff. I'm just I never. Really, You're not that guy. I'm not that guy. Yeah, yeah, got it. Okay, 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 okay. So, but like, was there like so like just a bottle like? Like you drink all the you drink all the Burgundy, you drink all the Bordeaux. Like, was there like a bottle of Riesling or like, 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 like what's the best sauterne you've ever had, man? Like you've probably had some sauterne tasting like the seventeen sixty. Right. No, no, I mean twenty one Ecam is a pretty good place to go. <laughs> <laughs> now you're gonna make me look, uh, you know, snobby. I don't want to do it, but I, nah, listen, man. You listen, man. I mean, like. It's 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 all sides to the game, right? And like 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 I said, this is this is a side of the game. I think most people, when people like, if you work at retail and people like, oh, people don't want to spend like even thirty dollars for a bottle of wine, like they got to get like 
But that's okay. There's and that's and nice for but, ten or twenty bucks, dude. There are. I listen. I when I when I was selling retail, I'd special like listen. Find yourself some good twelve to fifteen dollar bottles of wine. There's great values like in Spain. You know, mm, I mean, Cote de Rhone. Cote de Rhone is probably the best thing. Ten twenty bucks. Cote de Rhone. You know, like that's like why I like Rhone shit so much. Because mm. even 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 like high end Rhone, like you know, except for Shab, but like you can get like. But you get a bottle of shot for thirty bucks. His coach runs thirty. Well, yeah, so it's 10, 30, 10 yeah but like, but like, you can get like, you can get like a highly rated Rhone wine, like ninety seven, ninety eight points for sixty bucks still. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it's still the value play in fine wine right, right. now. You right. know. Yeah. Um. Just watch those alcohol levels. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, like people. But I, I, I hear what you're saying because you're coming from a perspective. Of the elegance, but then like no shade, but like when people start making wines that are eleven percent alcohol and they're underripe, right? It's and a it's little natural, too low, yeah, right. a little too low. Yeah, you know, like I think that that it, it's it, it's trying, it's 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 balancing, right? Nothing's it's it, you're right. always balancing, right? Right. Um, like what is this coming in at, man? I was looking for it. I couldn't. Thirteen. Thirteen. Look yeah. At I mean, yeah. but that's I mean, but that's shab, man. Right. He's gonna I mean, get... he's it's gone up a little bit over time. Now, usually he's these 14, low 14s now, 14 to 14 and a half. But a lot of times, you know, legally, they can label it, I think, within 1%. Like the U.S. Oh, yeah, says, yeah. like, you can, you can, like, miss it by 1%. It's yeah. okay. And so, I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe it's just, you know, so who knows what Yeah, that shit could be coming at 15.5, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's putting 14 on it. I think, no, I think it's, uh, it could be the other way around, I would think. You know, yeah, just be um, safe. But now with the tariffs, which are hopefully going to be over soon, you know, you want to be over 14%. Right. Because you, So your wine could be 13.5. You could label it 14.5, and then you can get it in tariff-free. Right. Which I, I think, I hope a lot of producers are doing. They should be if they're smart, but like, you know. I'm not, you know, involved in that side of the equation. Well, you know, this is a little side consultant business right. for you, right? You know, right. just send your checks to no. <laughs> exactly. We'll get to we'll get to where you can reach John later. Um, speaking of tariffs, I, I mean, the game you're playing, I don't think it really has any effect, right? You're, because you're usually stuff that's older vintages. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, we private just, collectors. Look, we just send in more wine to Hong Kong. If uh, you know America wants us to go do all our business in China, <laughs> see ya. You know, like it's like keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just so stupid. This, the laws in this country are just so archaic, and a lot of them date back to prohibition. And we need like Thomas Jefferson back, you know, to come uh, be like, we got all these non-drinking presidents. Trump didn't drink. Biden doesn't drink. I mean, what the heck is somebody? Need, we need a drinking president again to like change these laws. Yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 kind of crazy that like I'm 52. And I have to get wine shipped to a buddy's place in New York because so I can't stupid. get shipped to New I Jersey. Mean, it's, it's, like, it's like it's, it's the most ridiculous thing, man. That's that wholesale money, you know? I, I know, man. <laughs> that wholesale money. Oh, my God. But I think, I mean, for like for, for like the average person, that it's a pain in the ass because like like we're, we're talk, we've been talking about wines here today that – I mean, and that are for 99.99 are unattainable. Um, sorry guys, I'm lucky. Um, you know, but, um, but there's so much great wine out there as you acknowledge, right? Like, yeah. like, I've, like, I know you guys pivoted really well, did a lot of virtual tastings and, you know, you did a taste, you did some tastings and, um, you know, we talk about Spanish wines. Like I still think Spanish wines, like 
I said on the last one of the last podcasts, yeah, like people like Vega Cecilia is probably one of the most age worthy wines in the world, and it's mm-hmm. still a relative bargain compared to Bordeaux and Burgundy, man. Right, right, yeah. I mean, Vega gets up there, but like you know, you look at a wine like Lopez de Heredia, where the, I think the current release is 07 or something, it's yeah, 50 bucks. yeah, so good, you yeah. know, and like so, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of wine. I mean, you can get a lot of great wine, 40, 50 bucks a bottle. You know, you can get a lot of good wine, 10, 20 bucks. So I think great starts, 40, 50 bucks. You can really start to get some some great things. And, and, and you know, it is what it is. I mean, this is these wines are limited. There's only so much of it that can go around. And, and these are commodities. And, 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 and you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's a beautiful thing. But more people need to be drinking wine. I was, I was on CNBC uh, yesterday morning at 530 in the morning. You know, and then they like they they asked me about White Claw. I'm like, what? Damn, they asked you about White Claw? <laughs> yeah, and I said she was like, is White Claw affecting your sales? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been like, God, I no. But they said a lot of millennials are drinking lad and all this stuff and whatever. But I'm like, you know, everybody needs to be drinking wine. And like, you know, you know, I started drinking ten, twenty dollar bottles. You know. Of course, those $10, 20 bottles are now like different price points. Yeah, they're a little bit different. Their price has gone up of everything. I mean, Insignia, like O2, used to be, what was it, thirty nine ninety nine or something? Or, that's... Or no, 94 and say, I'm sorry, not O2. 94 that's Insignia. Even, that's even worse. $39.99. Bottle. 94, California. You know, every vintage is like that. But 94 was iconic, and that was 40 bucks. Yeah. That wine is probably still kicking ass right now, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I mean, the wine market's exploded, become a real commodity, and it is what it is. And you know, it's there's more people. Just think about it. I mean, China and America, you know, are driving with a little Europe, a little Brazil, a little Japan. But like these two superpowers are driving the whole market, right? You know, there's a whole lot of world out there besides uh, you know China, U.S. And the more people, it's just kind of evolution. You know, if you if you drink. And you're not drinking wine, well, you need to evolve, you know? It's just... No, I, I think it's true. I mean, I think, first of all, like, wine is just the beverage, like, you, you rarely you rarely hear, probably because of the crowd, of, like, a fucking fracas or melee breaking out at a wine tasting, just because yeah. it's, you know, it's... it's seen a couple. Yeah, I, I, said, I, said, I said, well, you don't hear about it because right. of the crowd, right? Like, <laughs> but, I mean, it can't happen, but, like, it's not like, you know, when... When we were young, in the diadies, you could be out at a bar, you just loaded up on right. shots and liquor, and like right. somebody step on your shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, you're in a fucking fight because right. your friends in a fucking fight. Like right. it's not that beverage, right? Right, right? And and I mean, it's it's you alluded to this. You mentioned this earlier. Like I think one of the allures for me with wine is the history. Like when I when I started working with you, and then started working at Acker, man, like you like the beauty of this thing. This thing has been around since before Christ. Like this thing is like this is part of the evolution of man is 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 this fermented beverage. And you know, it, it's just a powerful, powerful thing. Like it and and wines outlive us all, right? Like like think about the bottles I'm sure you've auctioned you've auctioned off crazy bottle bottles that are that will will still be around once we're gone. Like I mean it's this living, breathing thing. How can we get more people to drink wine? Mm, we got to, you know, keep, uh, you got to keep doing your podcast. You know, I think that's going to be a big help. I mean, look, I mean, people have to discover it on, on, uh, on their own. We got to just keep telling people how great it is. Thank you. And, um, you know, it, 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 listen, it's, it, it, I think when I was starting in um, the business 20 years ago and, you know, I just go to restaurants, there was not wine on every table, but you go out in New York City before, you know, the pandemic, there's wine on every table. 
everybody's drinking wine now. So it's happening. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. happening. And I don't care if it's wine in a box or a can or whatever. If it's wine, wine-based, you know, I mean, it's it's a positive thing. And I mean, it's just, you know, if you're going to drink alcohol, there's nothing better. Because wine, you know, you drink over the course of a meal, over the course of time. You know, it, it's to enjoy food, you know, wine, company, conversation. You know, when we do these dinners with 20, 25 wines, it's five hours, six hours. It's not like, you And $25,000 right. a head. It only costs you 25 Gs. Come see me. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, oh, but yeah, look, it's all, it, it, and that was in 2004. Let's talk about adjusting for inflation. Um, I mean, I mean, when I think about that, like, you know, like. Would you say you've you you and Acker have like definitely changed the course of wine auctions? You know, I, I like consider myself a, a shepherd, you know, and maybe I just herded in a few more sheep than uh, might have happened otherwise. But listen, I mean, you know, I've been an I consider myself an ambassador for wine. I am a wine lover, like more than anything else. I love it. I live it. I breathe it. I drink it. You know, I'm not like, you know, I never hesitate to open a bottle with a, with the client. It doesn't matter how much it costs, whatever it is. Like, let's drink it. Like, that's it, you know. And that's just been my philosophy. So I do – I love wine. I love promoting wine. I love telling people this is great. Taste it. It's great. You know, that's all I can do. What more can I do? I don't know, man. But I, you said promotion. It's just my, I mean, I think a lot of that might go to – it's pure speculation, but like coming up as a hip hop producer, like you came with like people like that old school night, like handing out flyers, like stickers, oh, yeah. like we had stickers like, everywhere, like, like learning how to promote, like like you know, and and literally being a, an ambassador, right? Like so, like you know, hip hop ambassador, or whatever. Like you became, you decided to become an ambassador for wine, and um, <clears throat> decidedly French, um, but. Uh, can't be mad at you for that. Well, the I'm, market is what it is. I can't control the market just because it's eighty percent French. Don't be, uh, don't be don't, mad at me. Don't hate the player. It's the game. <laughs> you know. Um, so who's like? You know, we're getting we're getting close here, but like, so who's like one of the most? Uh, what's one of the best uh, wine experiences? Like, like, like producer. Like, like I'm. You probably met. You probably you've had the opportunity to probably meet some incredible icons. Like, who who did you enjoy drinking wine with? Like, what was like one of the most memorable? Like, like this dude's fucking cool, or this woman, this winemaker, she's cool. This family's cool. This domain's cool. Like, what like what like what what do you got there? Uh, I mean, going to visit Shav was incredibly cool. He's just, he's amazing. He's so generous. He's just the same spirit. You want to try it? It's like, what, are you, what have you never had? Oh, I never had the, the 78. All right, let's open it up. And I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of stuff. Uh, he's great. I mean, Ligier Belair is unbelievable. He, he, his cellars, his wines. I mean, the Compte, I should say Compte Ligier Belair. Were you at that crazy tasting that Dustin was with the, the 80 million vintages. Oh, of La Romanée. Yeah. No, no, I'm on, I'm on the A minus list. Though. Oh, damn, man. No, because he didn't want anybody from the trade. It was only critics oh, and blah, okay. blah, blah. <laughs> you know. yeah. Thanks, Louis Michel. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, we'll talk about that for the next 50 years. But, you yeah. know, no, I mean, but he's like, you know, just super generous, like open up bottles. He's, you know, and, and you know, he, he he's great, of course. You know, I mean, 
So those are two two of my favorites. I mean, you know, not that many people have great old sellers. Of course, DRC has great old sellers, and they'll pop open, you know, a nice bottle or three for you if you get in there. But you know, as they've everybody gets bigger and bigger and bigger, they kind of like it's like they you know they open these things less and less and less because you know. It's like it used to be like 10 years ago. Oh, okay, yeah, it's yeah, a thousand dollar bottle. Now it's like a ten thousand dollar bottle. Maybe maybe we shouldn't know it. Who are you again? Show your role. Your resume. Right. It's like, oh, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. No, we have a pool and a pond. A pond would be better for you. Right? Like totally. Like, uh, we got this Borgonia from our neighbor. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's really, really, really delicious. So it it really shows the terroir. You know, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, God damn, man, like. And then <clears throat> there's got to be people. I'm sure you've dealt with this. Like fucking Capon, fuck the market. I can't get any Bordeaux or Burgundy because of Capon. Does that? I'm sure. Am I wrong? Uh, you know, I don't deal with those people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you keep it positive. <laughs> Listen, I would have happened with it without me. You know, whatever. It's like it's it's you know it's wine. The wine is what sells, not me. You know. Yeah, man, for sure. So, man. Um, you know, fuck. We we could just talk forever. We're gonna have to do this again oh, offline great. or something. Great. And we could do it again online. Hope I would love, you know, when you come back. I know you don't live in the States now. You're you're an international man of wine and I would say mystery, but you got four kids. There's no mystery there, but right. <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's one thing about the pandemic, you know, I used to I mean, I used to run around the world like, you know, half the year, six months, uh Moving, traveling, and then all of a sudden this year I didn't do it, and then I didn't. I'm like, wait, wait, maybe I don't have to do it. Wow, this is like, I can actually stay home and still do the same thing, still accomplish, uh, you know, these things with Zoom and the tape. But of course, you know, I miss it, and of course everybody misses it. And yeah, know. I mean, Molesworth, James, James said, I mean, like the Zoom thing is one thing, but like this is like so, and keep doing that. That's great. Um, but like everybody gets like four bottles from the shop. But they're four different bottles. Like right now, we are we are sharing these two bottles and we're right. we're comparing notes right. from the bottles, which is there. I just think there's no substitute for that. But um, where you're at in life with your children, your wife, like, it must be nice to like pump the brakes a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, no, it's been it's been a a great kind of refreshing uh, of the perspective. A little bit and kind of you know got to start taking care of uh, ourselves. You know now that we're. And in that second half, I, I know, man. Half time's over, man. I, I know, man. Listen, it is, it is, man. Like shit, man. I, I look at the ages of my parents' past, and I'm like, I'm not. I'm in different. I look different than they did at this age, but like DNA, bro. I, I could be like, hey. every day is a, is a gift, <laughs> it's bro. A gift, right? You know, yeah. and and um. So where do you, where what's the future for um Acker Wines, Mister Chairman? Mm, yeah, we're just gonna. Continue to do what we do. We think we have a lot of potential growth in um, retail. We're, we're focusing a lot on retail. You know, obviously we're auction specialists. We're number one in the world there and have been for the last 15 years. And uh, we want to focus on retail uh, a lot and change the retail experience. We also want to become more global and, you know, whether or not we open up, you know, more presences and more places. And then we have a lot of people all over the world working for us. You know, but uh, kind of on a um, bespoke basis, not on a public basis. So, you know, we just want more people drinking wine and loving wine. We feel that we have incredible amount of knowledge and expertise in the area of wine. And we want to just keep translating that to the rest of the world. Awesome. 
Um, fuck, man. Shit. I can't believe how See, I fast told you my time. top two uh, curse words. See, you yeah. got them right there. Well, I'm from fucking Jersey, man. Like, <laughs> I, I tell people all the time. That's like, I've been cursing since I'm like six years old. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and hiding it from my mom until I was like 20. <laughs> um, um, uh, John, man, thank you so much for being here. Tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing. Uh, Ackerwines.com. That's it. You know, uh, just check us out. And, you know, if you, you hit the info at Ackerwines.com, reach out to us. And you ask for me, it'll get to me somehow, some way. Yeah. And you can also follow him, you know, uh, on Instagram. He's at John.Kpon. Yep. I am on Instagram. And he's so. on Instagram, which is... If you knew John, it's a major leap. I'm not a good. I'm not as good as you are. <laughs> no, I'm trying. No. Like I, I like backed up for weeks. Sometimes. Nah, man, you you got more going on than I do, man. So you know, I got time to fuck around and talk about <laughs> why on the internet. What can I tell you? <laughs> man, this has been great, man. It's really good uh, sitting down with you. Um, definitely. Uh, you're not just a friend of the show. You're a friend. It's been way too long. Yep. Um, definitely want to have you back on. Um, and uh, thanks for being here. And uh, hey, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. It's your boy, MJ. Till the next time, here's to the Mavericks, the Philosophers, and the Deep Thinkers. John hits all those notes. Cheers. Peace. I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. We want to thank our supporter, the Conway Fund, a component of the Prosperity Foundation, which supports cultural and heritage events, scholarships, mentoring programs, and more. Go to theconwayfund.org and see how you can donate and make a difference in underserved communities.